All right, so we've been talking in this series about um, being blessed. And we've been talking about what does it mean to be blessed. And, and Pastor Mark has carried this, this series wonderfully. And I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of it today. But when we think about being blessed, we generally think about, you know, I'm so blessed that I was able to buy this house. Or I'm so blessed that I have this dream car or this amazing job. Or I'm so blessed that we were able to take this vacation, or I have this education, or I have this privilege, or I have this opportunity, or I have this many followers on social media. You know, aren't I blessed to have all these followers on social media? We think of blessings oftentimes in terms of acquiring some material dream. And that's how we, that's what the vernacular means in our culture most of the time. But that's not what it meant in the New Testament. And so let's look again at our key verse in this series in Ephesians 1, chapter 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what does it mean? What does it mean that you and I have been blessed? What does it mean when, when we read in the New Testament and the New Testament says, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So when uh, over the Christmas holidays, for those of you who, who know our story, you know my, my wife lives in a nursing home. She's confined to a wheelchair. And uh, we were able to bring her home for, for Christmas. And uh, had a few days with her at home. And as our time was ending, it was time for us to, to take her back. And as long as I live, I'll never forget the moment that uh, we, we had to pick her up in her wheelchair. Our two sons picked her up in a wheelchair and started moving her down the steps. And when she realized it was time to leave, she started to cry. And tears just ran off her face. And she said, please let me stay here. Broke my heart. And I looked at my kids in the face and I saw them picking their mother up in a wheelchair hoisting her downstairs to take her back somewhere out of her home that she didn't want to go. Now, I'm just going to tell you, whatever the New Testament means when it says you're blessed, how am I supposed to read that and understand that I'm blessed? It better be good. It better not be a vacation home or some amount of money in the bank or some car because I can tell you, none of that stuff will take away the deepest pain in your heart. So it's going to have to be something more than that. Fortunately for all of us, it is. <laughs> it's a deeper blessing than just the other things, and there's, there's got to be more than that. So that's what this Ephesians chapter 1 prayer is about. It's about a cry that we understand the blessing we have in Christ. Not in a house, not in a vacation, not in an opportunity, not in a car, not in nice clothes. The blessing we have in Christ that will defy everything this world can do to you. So what are some of those blessings? Well, we've been hearing about them every week. You've been blessed with a spiritual family. What a, what a blessing that you have mothers and fathers in faith. That you have people who can surround you. This is how we say it. Life is better together. You are blessed with a spiritual family. If you, if you are a believer and you belong to a church, you're blessed with a spiritual family. 
You're blessed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit is present and active in your life to help you know Jesus more. You're not left on your own to try to figure out how to know Jesus. You actually have a helper. That's a blessing. And then last week we talked about how you're blessed with hope. You know, a lot of people in the world don't have any hope. No hope. No hope that anything's ever going to be different, that it's ever going to be better, that the future's going to be good. No hope. But man, if you're a Christian, you've been blessed with hope. Now today we'll look at another blessing. Chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, he's saying, I pray that the light would come on inside you. And you would see, you would understand that you may know the hope to which he's called you. We read this last week. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Have, have, have you ever wondered what God was thinking when he created everything? Like he just got up one day and said, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll make stuff. It's just been me floating around and whatever, nothing. And God just woke up one day and said, I think I'll make things. And he started to make things. And he's made incredible things. He made the whole universe, every star and every planet and every rainbow and every bird and every person and every animal and every cloud and every mountain. God made, he made everything. But, but creation, this creation that he made, failed and broke itself and unleashed all kinds of pain and suffering in the world that the Bible tells us God knew was going to happen before he made it. So why did he do it? Why was it worth it to him knowing what would happen to do it anyway? What does God get out of it? I mean, is he impressed with the exotic plants and the animals? Is it the beautiful landscape that you see from purple mountains and beautiful streams and beaches and oceans? It, it, he didn't need money, so he, wasn't, he didn't create humans so humans could make money so he could have money. He already had power. Did he just want to be famous? Like, like why, did God, why did God do all of this? Maybe one day the James Webb telescope will go deep enough in space that it'll take a picture of something that will say, oh, that must be why God made it all. Probably not. Why did God make it all? What does God get out of it? Look again at Ephesians 1.18. The first few times I read this verse, I misunderstood it. Look at it. He prays that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. Look at the last ver uh, sentence. That, that in order that we may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So look at this. Whose inheritance are we talking about? Not ours. His. God created everything because he gets an inheritance. He gets to inherit something. Well, that's interesting. God's going God's to get something out of this. He did it for an inheritance. What is God's inheritance? Look, you gotta, this, is, this is what Paul was praying about. You are. 
We are. Every Christian who ever lived in any place in the world in any time is the inheritance of God. Now watch, this is what you got to get. It's his rich, glorious inheritance. You are his sons, you are his daughters, you are his prize, you are his treasure, you are his bride, you are his trophy. You've been blessed with extraordinary value. Extraordinary value. So much so that you are the only thing in all of creation that God would call his inheritance. Now, we don't get to decide. Some of us are fortunate enough to have an inheritance on earth, but we don't get to decide what it is. What if we did, though? What if we could choose whose inheritance we get? Look, none of us are going to downtown Birmingham and finding a homeless person and say, that guy right there, I want his inheritance. You know, I want his can of soup when he's gone. Nobody's going to go to somebody with a one-bedroom apartment and say, her right there, I want her inheritance. If you could pick your inheritance who you inherit from, you're not picking somebody that doesn't have anything, right? We're like, where's Elon Musk? You know, where's Bill Gates? Like, if we get to choose our own inheritance, we're gonna choose something really, really somebody that has a lot of value. You know what? God did get to pick his inheritance. And he picked you. He got to choose. It could be anything he wanted it to be. But he picked the thing that was the most valuable to him. And so, you may think of it and say, why does this even matter? It was so important to Paul that Paul said at the beginning of this prayer, I keep praying for this over and over and over. I keep asking God again and again and again and again that the light will come on inside your heart and you will get it, that you will understand what this means. And not, not only did Paul explain it in the first part of chapter 1, then the second part of chapter 1, he turned it into a prayer and prayed it over them and kept praying it again and again and again. And not only did he pray it again and again, he put the prayer in writing and sent it to them. It said, read this. This is what I'm praying for you. That you understand that you are the glorious inheritance of God. You are so blessed to be this valuable. Why, why do you even get to be this valuable? Why do I get to be this valuable? You're so blessed that you have this much value. Man, that's a good prayer to pray. God, let me understand how valuable I am to you. Open my eyes so that I can see the blessing of your spiritual family, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Open my eyes that I can see the blessing of hope. Open my eyes that I can see the blessing of having such extraordinary value to you. That's a good prayer to pray for our church. Man, this was put in here for us. Now, why does it matter? It matters because it changes the way you look at life. It changes the way you live. So how do we... How do we live in this blessing? Let me give you three ways this morning. Number one, make it a regular practice to receive God's love. Now, if you grew up in a loving family, this won't be a hard step for you. This will be an easier step. It'll be natural. But if you grew up in an unloving family, or you grew up missing some major pieces of love, you suffered neglect, or you got lost in the shuffle of divorce, or suffered rejection, or maybe one of your parents were dysfunctional, or you, you were taught to believe that love was something that needed to be earned. In other words, when you did good, you were loved. When you did bad, you were unloved. Maybe 
Maybe, that's, uh, maybe you went through a divorce yourself and just got your heart and mind beat up on. Maybe you've just suffered through life circumstances and it's caused you to feel unloved. We live in an unloving world, you know? I mean, like the stock market and, you know, industry. and co- It's about the bottom line. It's about the number. It's about the next man up. It's about people are disposable. You got to keep grinding. You got to keep going. And, and who knows where all those things have come into your life. But you have to unlearn what you learned. And that is that we live in an unloving world, and you may have been raised in an unloving family somehow in some ways, maybe in a lot of ways. And you have to unlearn what you learned, and you have to now learn what God says about you. And so you have to renew your mind. So what I want to do is I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, the the part before the prayer, and I want to read seven verses of that and show you what God says about you. All right, you ready? We'll start with the same verse we've already read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual peace. God says you're blessed. Now, if you don't feel it or you don't know it, it means your mind needs to be renewed some more. Look at verse 4. For he chose us. Man, he picked you. He picked you. And he would do it again. He chose us in him, but listen to this. He didn't just pick you when you were born. He picked you before the creation of the world. Man, before your parents and great-grandparents were thought of, before he ever said, let there be light, he already picked you. He already chose you. That's amazing. He he chose us in, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose, you know what holiness is? It's wholeness. That you would be well on the inside and on the outside. And that you would live a righteous life. In love, he predestined us for adoption. In other words, he went ahead and decided he wanted you to get saved before he created the whole world. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one who loves, who he loves. He's freely given grace. In him we have redemption through his blood. Because of Jesus' sacrificial death, he's redeemed you. He's forgiven your sins according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Look at that, I love this. He smeared it on you. He wasted some of it. It was so much grace that he put on your life, you couldn't even hold it. He just dripped it wet off you and it dripped on the ground around your feet. He lavished it on you, poured it all over you. You were... You're so blessed. You have extraordinary value. So we have to find those parts of Scripture that tell us the truth about what God thinks of us, and we have to renew our mind with it. We put all that other junk in our mind. We put all that other stuff through social media and all the other entertainment. Why not pump our mind full of this? And, And then you have to also experience his love. You can't just, because experience, a lot of times, painful experience is what teaches us that we're unloved. So you're going to have to counteract that with some experiences that show you that you are loved. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean you have to set aside some time in your prayer life to receive God's love. I've I've been doing this for months now. 
Every time I pray, this is one of my prayers. I say, Lord, today, I pray that you'd renew my heart with your love. And that's how I started. And the more I prayed it, the more I unpacked it. And I said, Lord, because what happens is, is living in an unloving world and living in a selfish world and living in a consumer world dries us out and makes us unloving. And so what I've said is, God, that's not you. I don't want to be that. So when I pray, I say, Lord, renew my heart. God is love. He's the source of love. God, renew my heart and fill me with your love. And so today, I just pause to receive your love for me. Not for the world, not for the church, not for my family, not for all the other things, for me. God, today I receive your special love, your attention, your affection, your motive toward me is good. You care about the details of my life. And today I just stop and I receive your love for me. And you just soak in that for a minute. Would, would, you, would you pray that with me? Would you just take a minute, just, just kind of say that? Jesus, I receive your love for me. Oh, it's pretty good. That's the foundation. And you know why? Because you're so valuable. You're so valuable to God. It's his joy to pour his love out on you. All right, number two, invest in your growth as a disciple of Jesus. You know, um, when you see a young couple that's going to get married, oftentimes what will happen to the run-up, you know, we have engagement. And then what the couple does is they're preparing the wedding and the event and all that, but they also prepare themselves. You know, oftentimes a bride and groom, they'll, maybe they'll lose weight, they'll exercise, they'll get in shape, they'll, you know, if there's, if there's issues within them, they'll try to address those. Maybe they'll try to get mentally healthier or emotionally healthier. Or, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is just prepare themselves so the day of the wedding they can present the best version of themselves to their, to their new spouse. And, and we understand that, right? Now I want you to imagine for a minute that the opposite happened. Imagine that you had somebody that got engaged and they went and gained 50 pounds, you know, became a couch potato and started just playing video games all the time and just getting stuck in YouTube holes and binging Netflix and picked up addictions and habits and uh, you know, came to the a wedding day with their shirt untucked and no makeup on and their hair messed up and didn't brush their teeth and came down to the altar and said, I'm ready. And you were to ask them, man, <laughs> like, why didn't you get ready? This is important. And imagine if they looked at you and said, well, it doesn't matter, I'm still getting married. Ha- Ladies, come on. <laughs> Somebody help me. Would that fly? That wouldn't fly, would it? Okay. Sometimes I get the feeling that in in the Christian faith, we feel like all that matters is just getting saved and going to heaven. Sometimes we live like spiritual growth is an option, and going to heaven is all that matters. Like, Like... Like, one day we're just going to drag a little broken baby Christian up to the gates of heaven and present ourselves to Jesus and say, well, it doesn't matter, I'm going to heaven anyway. Is that, 
you know one day you're going to meet Jesus face to face? Is that how you want to present yourself to him? Is a little, a little broken down baby Christian? Still drinking milk? Still stuck in the habits? Still stuck in some of your old ways? Still living in bondage? Still emotionally and mentally immature? Still relationally immature? Still having fits of anger and wild emotions and addiction? Is that how you want to present yourself to Jesus? Is that what you want that wedding day to be like? No, no, you don't want that. You want to present your best self to him because when you see him face to face, you'll understand in that moment you're his inheritance. You're his prize. You're his trophy of grace. So man, present the best version of yourself to him you can. Because he redeemed you and he bought you and he loves you and he blessed you. So you got to go deeper. Go as deep as you can. Take up your cross and follow him. Grow in obedience. Grow in faithfulness. Move past being a cultural Christian. Move past being a church attender. Live it. I mean, dig your teeth in and live it. When uh, my youngest son went off to college, uh, last fall, um, there were some, you know, things around the house that I wanted to do while he was gone to get ready for when he came home for Christmas. Because I thought, man, he this is kind of messed up, and he would really appreciate the fact that you know I improved this. And so I just would work on little projects throughout the fall, and then I was so excited when he came. You know, we were like two kids when he came home for Christmas. I was walking around and look in this room. You know, look what we did, and look in the closet. Remember that junk that was back there? It's gone. You know, isn't this amazing? And look how we decorated this, you know. And I was just walking him around and showing little things, you know, about what I did. And I was so excited for him to see what I'd been working on while he was gone. Can I just ask you something? When you see Jesus face to face, are you going to be excited to show him what you've been working on while he was gone? Are you going to have anything to show him? Are you going to say, look, I, I read this part of the Bible and I, you know, I started living this out and I shared my faith with this person and, 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 and look, I, man, I'm not even the same person that I am. Now, this all happens through the power of God, but it doesn't happen without your engagement. Are you going to be excited to see him, to show him all the things you've been working on while he was gone? I hope so. I hope so. Number three how do, you, how do you live this blessing of being an extraordinary, having extraordinary value? Do the work Jesus gave you to do. So we, our, our studies in Ephesians 1, if you go to Ephesians 2, there's this powerful stretch of Scripture that talks about um, how we are saved by grace. And it, it's a total rejection of the world system of you have to earn it and you have to deserve it and all of that stuff. And you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It's a total rejection of that whole system. What it says is, is that salvation is a free gift. Nobody can earn it. Nobody can deserve it. And God has freely given it because his son's death on the cross. Okay? So it's a beautiful uh, stretch of verses about grace. And right after that, we come to Ephesians 2 verse 10 that I want to read you today. For we are God's masterpiece. If it weren't enough that you were an inheritance, you're also a masterpiece. It's, think of this language that God has chosen to use about you. You are God's masterpiece 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what, what, are, these, what are these 10 verses in Ephesians 2 mean? Man, not only did God save you from sin and brokenness, he saved you for some incredible things to do. Not only did God save you from some junk, he saved you for something awesome. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you to do, and here's what's crazy. This is, he planned these things long ago. Now, how we understand this is, look, works, there's no work that can save you, but you've been saved to do some incredible things. So you ever thought about that? You ever had the opportunity maybe to share your faith with someone or um, maybe you've been a spiritual mentor to somebody or you've just been able to offer a, a word of encouragement and hope to somebody when they're struggling or maybe you've been able, God's used you in some of the gifts of the Spirit in faith or discernment or knowledge. Maybe you had the opportunity to teach children and you've watched as the years gone by and they've come up and followed Jesus. You know? Maybe you were there for someone offering an act of kindness. Jesus said, if you offer a cup of cold water in my name, I'll be there. Maybe you've prayed for someone to be set free and they were set free. Maybe you've offered mercy in Jesus' name. Maybe you've shared your faith and someone found Jesus. I mean, we could just go on all day at all the good works that could be done. But if God's ever used you to do any of them, have you ever asked the question, why do I get to do this? Why do I even get to do this? Why do I get to stand before you and teach today? Why, why, do I get, why me? Why do I get to be here? Why do I get to be the one with the microphone talking? Why? Wouldn't it be so much more efficient? Wouldn't it be so much more effective if God would just bypass all of us and just do the work himself? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be better? Listen, listen, listen to what I'm going to tell you, okay? He won't do it. You know why? Watch. He doesn't want to do it without you. Because you have extraordinary value. <laughs> because you're his inheritance. And he doesn't want to do it without you. He wants to do it with you and through you. And he wants to, he wants to reach and touch and bless other people. But man, he wants, you're so valuable to him. He could just bypass all of us and do it better. It's not about that. It's about your inheritance. Okay, so here's the question. Are you doing the good things he planned for you to do a long time ago? How's that going? Are you, are you doing those things? Look, you, you, you can become a mature Christian and not serve right here at Kingwood, okay? So I want to I I say that up front. However... If you're not serving within the confines of your church family, my question to you is, what is your plan to do the good things that God planned for you to do? How are you going to do it? 
It's up to you. How are you going to do them? I, I, I don't know. You can. There are some people whose primary ministry is, is outside the church with the support of the church, but outside the church. Thank God. I think, I think most of us have a ministry at least inside the church and maybe outside too. So in, the, in 2023, we're going to be talking a lot at Kingwood about using the spiritual gifts that God has given you to make a difference. And I'm just, I just want to ask you to be open to that conversation for this reason. Because you're an inheritance. <laughs> you, are, you are God's inheritance. And look, when I get to heaven, here's what I want to do. I want to walk up and present myself to Jesus as the best version of myself. Like, like when I say, God, is this what you had in mind? You know, is this what you were thinking right here? Is this how you wanted my mind? Is this how you wanted my heart? Did I follow you well? Did I do good? I want to present the best version of myself, and I want to come with my arms full of the good works that I've done in my lifetime because he planned for me to do them. <laughs> That's how I want to see him. I don't know, you know, when none of us come perfect, but that's how I want to see him. Would you stand with me this morning? You and I are the inheritance of God and we have extraordinary value. Would you just, if you're online, our prayer team is there with you and they'd love to meet you for prayer. All you have to do is just go into the comment section and, and type your prayer need. Maybe you have an unspoken re request. Maybe you just want to put your name. Hey, pray for and put your name. And our prayer team, I promise you, they've been praying for you. And they'd love to meet you in this moment and pray for you. For all of us, would you just close your eyes for a moment? We're going to sing this song about um, Jesus being the king. And, and, and we are his inheritance. So today, as his inheritance, Lord, as your inheritance, we come today to honor you. We come to recenter our heart and our mind and our life on the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, we are your glorious inheritance, and we want to be your holy people. So today, Lord, I pray that as we worship, you would receive this worship from, from the people that you value and that you love. And Lord, I, I pray that you would open our hearts, as Paul prayed, enlighten us. Let the light come on inside so that we can see what you're doing in our heart this moment. Because you've come to do extraordinary work in us today. And we open ourselves to it in Jesus' name.